check, check, one, two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the November-themed edition of Nick's Nonfiction. This is your host, Nick Munez. Today on the show, we got Eric Slosher back for the three-peat with Chew On This. Everyone has had the fast food experience. Walk in and smell the canola oil. You see the latest Disney princess on a cardboard cutout. You place your order to a Mexican lady with one tooth and three eyes. It's industrial grade beeping, drowning out your ears. You sit down, squirt some ketchup on your burger and munch down. Quote, the whole experience of eating at a fast food restaurant, restaurant has become so familiar, so routine that we take it for granted. It has become just another habit, like brushing your teeth before bed. We do it without even thinking, and that's the problem. Thesis detected. Mom, please, 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 please. Mom, we need to stop at McDonald's. That's the entire idea for the book. That's where it should end. This is an establishment for children. Bro, if you're getting your dinner at a place with a playpen, think again. <laughs> Everyone has this friend in their 20s who eats like a teenager whose mom is gone for the weekend. <laughs> I should probably think about this more. Remember the personal pan pizza deal? Fast food is about convincing kids to read. <laughs> if you read a book, they gave you a pizza. Jesus, this stuff isn't food, it's processed poison. Don't listen to the show unless you're ready. Peanut butter is Crisco with food coloring. Super stimuli. We aren't meant to have certain things. They're too much fun. <laughs> this food is way too addictive and it's designed to be that way. The apple of Eden out here perfectly priced. What even is a chicken nugget? Eric says nuggets are mostly fat and other assorted body parts, including nerves, bones, skin, and connective tissue. This is not stopping me. Give me a 20 piece. <laughs> Nuggies? What's in those McPatties? They consist of an anti-foaming agent, monosodium glute MSG, anti-cracking agents, calcium silicate, dextrose, propylene glycol. <laughs> I needed breast injections in my burger. Did anybody else's mom tell them growing up not to put foreign objects in their body? Yeah, that ended in 2020. This was my first conspiracy. Like, my first book from the library was Sugar Nation. <laughs> Bro, get red. And you've seen the articles by now. Subway was caught putting yoga mats in their bread. That's what you'd call a flexible definition. Eric says not only has fast food reached into the toy industry, it's moving into our schools. Shut up, dude. Americans eat a credit card worth of microplastics a week. We're eating credit cards. <laughs> like, this is the most important topic. And he's right. They're moving into our schools. That was probably my best bit. Go back to the backlog. Ronald McDonald, he came to my school. A clown came and sold us hamburgers at an assembly. Who's paying for this? Whatever. One out of every five public schools now serves brand name fast food. We're dosing our kids. It's the flavor lab to obesity pipeline out of control how much is a lifetime supply of fast food not much <laughs> because you die the golden arches more recognizable than the christian cross he said one out of 14 americans eat mcdicks every single day 
half of those people actually planned on going. Yeah, wrapping up the intro here. It's an impulse problem. We have all the information here. <laughs> people can't control their mind and body. You are what you eat. I must be a sloppy pussy. <laughs> I got fasting stories to share. I'm sugar-free. Seriously, helpful diet advice coming up. November-themed edition. We going hard. About the other Eric Slosher. To get some memes, head over to Harry Shit on Instagram. Patreon.com slash the niche. We're doing more reactionary content as the weather gets cold. What about this guy, Slosher? You've heard it once, you've heard it again, fast food nation, well-read human being. What's a bukkake lover's favorite restaurant? Five guys. What do you get when you mix Breaking Bad with fast food? Walter Whitecastle. Heisenberger. Every time I eat fast food, I can talk to dead people. I should probably stop ordering the medium fries. Medium fries. Nick's nonfiction rules. We will be right back. Chew on this by Eric Slosher. Chapter 1. The Youngster Business. Fuck reading. I want to share with you the goofiest track on the internet I have ever found. Who knows how long you're going to have an audience. Spin that shit. Yeah, that's about to be the new intro music. Sorry for the audio listener, we're doing some YouTube bits. You know what? Here's another ba 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 beat Chew on this chapter one, the youngster business. The first rule of fast food management, always put the employee with the worst accent on the drive-thru. <laughs> Hello, thank you very much. Can I help you? In August of 2004, on the island of Singapore, John Payne asked a large gathering of business people from Malaysia and China and Indonesia to stand up. Give me a Y. Y. Give me a U. U. Give me an M. M. They're dancing to the beat of YMCA. We love to eat at Yum, 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 Yum. Yum Brands Inc., for those who don't know, owns KFC, Pizza Hut, Reading Pizzas, and Taco Bell. Giving a speech about the top 10 ways to market to Asian youths of today. Way number one, choreograph a rain dance. He continues, Sitting in the audience were representatives from McDonald's, Disney, Coca-Cola, Toyota, Nestle, MTV. A special workshop held the previous day had promised to help companies create brand preference and loyalty among children. Stop posting about Among Us! Gregory, do you see a small vent on the floor? <laughs> there are corporations among us. The kids are falling for it. And so are some political parties. The thesis comes here. Every year in the United States, children are responsible for more than $500 billion worth of spending. Big companies want that money. Too often they are willing to manipulate kids in order to get it. Started out with cereal in a toy box. <laughs> it started out with cocaine in your Coca-Cola. These people will do anything to hook you. And they'll hook you as a kid. Kids are on iPads now. You're straight up letting the CEOs in their brain. Disney is in on this. Quote, Croc and Disney, the guy who started McDonald's, shared a limitless faith in science and technology. Limitless faith. 
They ran their companies in much the same way, making all the big decisions and letting other people handle the details. Walt Disney didn't write or draw any of the classic animated films that carried his name. Ray Kroc didn't come up with the recipes for any of the McDonald's sandwiches. Eric Kroc saying both of these guys know how to grow businesses. Focus on the youth. Get your 10% margin. Netflix sucks, but teenagers will watch anything. You could survive off of the young blood forever. These people are fucking vampires. <laughs> the super thesis here. More importantly, Walt Disney and Ray Kroc were both terrific salesmen. Instead of simply marketing one thing to children, they created imaginative worlds for selling many things. Disneyland and the Mick Universe. I had the McDonald's tapes. Grimace was my guy. They carefully linked products to the feelings, ideas, and dreams of children. Their huge success encouraged their business people to use the same tactics and pull tricks on kids around the globe. The Mick Galaxy. Damn, this is where it gets fun. General Dynamics sponsored the nuclear submarine ride at Disneyland. Monsanto, a company that made... We know who Monsanto is. Sponsored Disneyland's House of the Future. Richfield Oil, which sold gasoline, sponsored Autopia. The Autopia, a ride that lets kids drive gas-burning automobiles. <laughs> There's going to be something better than electricity one day. Because where do you think electricity comes from? Coal and gas plants. And we're going to think the electro-tards are ruining the planet. College students build cars that run on water. Stop it. Quote, the Ronald McDonald television ads were an immediate success, drawing parents and their children to the McDonald's restaurants. What did they have, Speedy the Burger before that? <laughs> and people preferred the killer clown. It's because it's the children. They make the decisions. Parents are hostages. Jesus, man. Time goes on. We're around 70s and 80s. Quote, many working parents felt guilty about not spending enough time with their kids and started spending money on them. <laughs> We're trading our time with our kids for more Big Macs. Mick country. <laughs> I listened to some Black Sabbath out here. The uh, We're killing ourselves to live and replacing it with hamburgers. Quote, companies now plan cradle-to-grave advertising strategies, hoping that childhood fondness for a brand will lead to a lifetime of purchases. They have come to believe what Ray Kroc and Walt Disney realized long ago, that a person's brand loyalty may begin as early as the age of two. <laughs> yeah, I took mass media communication. We called them love marks. It's pretty creepy. From cradle to grave, the corporations are looking after you. Your money. People are being dumbed down. <laughs> These tricks are working harder. What do we got? Did you hear about, like, in Texas, they have those Ring, Amazon Ring. Texas was having one of their energy crises, and so the Ring thermostat would lock people's houses at a certain temperature. They're definitely going to do this in Europe. When World War III kicks off, nobody's allowed to burn wood, even. Your thermostat is the smart house that controls you. Roombas, map your floor plan and sell the data. Nest, that thing they sell the data to police. All of this shit is about cradle-to-grave advertising. How am I going to steal more data from you? I'll sell you a vacuum that watches you. You get it. <laughs> I think, like, in the future, 
if you're doing nothing, the corporations are going to stream and add into your brain. We could be making money off of him right now. McDonald's created the Burger King Club. They were one of the first people to do a loyalty card. Beanie Babies were invented by McDonald's. Quote, on the final evening of the Singapore Marketing Conference, its sponsored used an old-fashioned method of gaining information from children. Waterboarding. JK. Half a dozen kids aged 10 to 14 were brought on stage to be interviewed. They were being asked some very personal questions in front of hundreds of strangers. Whenever one of them mentioned the name of a company with executives at the conference, people in the audience would suddenly start cheering. Elias, a skinny 12-year-old with big glasses who been quite fidgety, finally worked up the courage to speak. My mom didn't like to drink Coke, she said. She says it's bad for my teeth. Nobody cheered for Elias. Yeah, this eight-year-old girl didn't know her audience. She tried to say to the McDonald's exec, you rotted my mom's teeth out. They didn't get the bit. <laughs> she went Kaufman on that bitch. And the kid that was like, I love hamburgers. He got a ton of love. Chapter 2, Mick Jobs. <laughs> Slosher starts this chapter with a story about how small towns go to die. For almost 200 years, Martinburg's West Virginia was a sleepy little community at the northern tip of the Shenandoah Valley. The town was founded in 1778 and named after Thomas Bryn Martin, an officer during the Revolutionary War at J.C. McCoy, the 10-cent store. You couldn't find the doll shop the popular hardware store, the confectionery store, all of these things in Shenandoah Valley started closing when the highways came around. In the mid-1960s, he's saying a strip of Highway 81 was layered down. The economy was changed forever. <laughs> Eric Slosher, we've learned from Native Americans, roads are evil. Just kidding, they're neutral, but we're using them to transport hamburgers. Quote, all along the interstate, fast food restaurants and chain stores started to open up. Family-owned historic businesses downtown closed. Martinsburg started to look like any other sprawling American suburb. Well, you've heard this story a million times. The death of small-town America. More importantly, the British people are starting to complain about Starbucks. Oi, you're kicking out our tea! We want to be the word colonizing you, you dummies. <laughs> it doesn't have to do with coffee. This is about buying real estate. This doesn't end until everybody has a Mick job in Mick world. Quote, you could pick just about any city in the United States and see how fast food and the automobile have changed over the past few decades. There's this picture in the book. It's the strip in Martinsburg. You can picture it, McDonald's, Waffle House, Taco Bell, Shell Gas Station, <laughs> everywhere America. Quote, during the 1980s, the land was sold to a real estate developer for $350,000. Over the next 12 years, the developers earned more than $30 million. They started to sell some of the land to chain stores from out of state. Bro, I've worked at multiple Starbuckses. Howard Schultz, the guy who's going to run for president, the CEO, he goes, we're not in the coffee game. We're in the real estate game. Literally, how the fuck are these people like opened up next to Saks Fifth Ave? You sell one $20,000 bag, whereas that's what 
a lot of locations can make a day. This is insane, bro. It's who's propping it up? And we learned in Fast Food Nation that there are subsidies for McDonald's to stay open. Like, <laughs> bro, at Starbucks, a bunch of us were on welfare. If you're running a multi-billion dollar company and your employees are... In <laughs> I think I'm just going to try to start unions. It's a good way to get my knees broken. I fucking eat rice and beans every night. How are people affording coffee every day? How are people... <laughs> I see this at the liquor store. People in their rides. You're either slinging dick or like... I don't know, man. I've already decided. Bro, I fucking broke down. I don't do this ever. I tried to do an affirmation thing. And I was listening to it while I was working out. And a couple times I was like, this is stupid. But I let it rock. <laughs> Within the first hour of my shift, I got a $20 tip. Bro, I l sat there for the rest of the hour. My hands were in my palms. I cried. I was like, this stuff actually does happen. Like, people are good-hearted. And that this... <laughs> you might really have more control. Whoa, bro. This is what I'm saying. It made me feel good to give. Like, I gave five of the 20 back to another hobo who was having a seizure because he needed some schnapps. Paying it forward, that's the best feeling on earth. <laughs> and I've walked the hedonist route and amongst those people, they'll never know how good it feels to give. Ooh, it's, it's selfish. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Bro, I've already, like siced up my winnings that I don't have every dollar my millions of YouTube 10% is going to charity no I want to do food drives that's what I was thinking because it's in the spirit of this book <laughs> people are eating slop because they don't have the time to prepare the food they can only afford it. I want to do a food drive motherfucker gay slosher he's interviewing local teens in Martinsburg he's going are these fulfilling summer jobs <laughs> I'm thinking back to a time where there were youthful apprenticeships. You turned a, you already had a skill. And the boomers, you gotta get a summer job flipping burgers like I did. <laughs> Got a big quote. Daniel Brent is a 17-year-old senior at Martinsburg. On Saturday morning, the alarm in her cell phone goes off at 5.30. It's still dark outside. Well, maybe she should have woke up at 4.30 and hit the gym. She's going to McDonald's in her uniform. There are a lot of things Danielle would rather be doing, such as sleeping. <laughs> but like thousands of other American kids her age, she gets up and goes to work at a fast food restaurant. Modern Main Street. Half-asleep teenagers cooking plastic-wrapped food. These farmer markets that I've been going to, that's where the energy is at. There are people just playing music. Everybody's happy because you're around real things. People making relationships at the bazaar, son another 10% of my pie chart because I don't need a lot to live <laughs> I'm going to pull my food out of Kroger and start investing in local farms and by that I mean eating their bison like I don't want a Lambo I don't want Fendi clothes I want to pull my money out of this monster <laughs> quote at Taco Bell restaurants the food is assembled not prepared the avocado dip isn't freshly made by workers in the kitchens it's made at a gigantic factory in Michoacan Mexico, then frozen, then shipped to the United States. The meat at Taco Bell arrives frozen and pre-cooked in vacuum-sealed plastic bags. The beans are dehydrated, look like brownish cornflakes. The cooking process is fairly simple. Everything is add water. Sounds appetizing. 
Quote, fast food workers are the largest group of low-income workers in the United States. Moreover, the rate at which fast food workers quit or are fired is among the highest. It's the burnout business. You're exploiting teenagers for labor. In June of 2000, Pascal and Maxine secretly met with a representative. This was a whole part of the book. There's this thing, the CTNU, Confederate National Trade Unions. Some of the fry cooks were starting to get organized. Same thing's happening with Starbucks right now. According to the labor laws, the cards couldn't be signed on the job. So two of them had to stand outside of the entrance to their subway and visit the other employees' houses. (laughs) Boo-hoo. Subway responded by firing all 24 employees of the Peel Street location. McDonald's does the same thing. They just have the lawyers to keep those stories out of the news. You'll get ran out of town. Managers are close with all the other managers in town. They'll tell each other not to hire you. You get blackballed, bro. This is medieval exiling. Quote, he held rallies outside of the restaurants, seeked public support for the workers. Quote within a quote, I can't understand how a company making billions of dollars can't share it with the youths who help make it rich. I already said it, Pascal. You've got a lot to learn, young kid. Greed. There you go. You're all caught up. Chapter 3, The Secret Fries Quote, Ray Kroc loved French fries. The French fry was almost sacrosanct for me. It's, uh, yeah, he keeps blowing French fries. Every morning, Burbank potatoes were washed, skinned, thinly sliced in the back of the kitchen, cooked at an oil temperature of 325 degrees. And he's going, everything today is frozen. Bro, my mom had a minivan growing up. I used to hide French fries in between the seats and in the compartments, the ashtray. Weeks later, I would eat a soggy French fry. My mouth is watering. (laughs) Soggy fries, these things last for years. Whatever kind of preservatives they're putting in it. You've seen the videos. You put a dime in a bottle of Coke and it'll dissolve. (laughs) Give me a lodge. In 1965, Ray Kroc met with J.R. Simplot, Idaho's greatest potato baron. Simplot had an idea for McDonald's switch to frozen french fries. Yeah, this guy was all up in that grocery store book. J.D. Simplot, he's simping over plots of land. (laughs) He ran all of the other potato guys out of town. I think more interesting nowadays, like a potato is trash (laughs) it's not a good food i still eat it every day i have potato fucking stew for breakfast like i'm in the depression (laughs) i'll share with you some of my recipes later but potatoes and corn it's maybe some fiber there's no nutrients in it like i'll probably go deep on corn when we do the sugar book they burn it down into a triglyceride and you can only do single glucose It's not natural, man. The food is eating your gut. You aren't eating the food. It's eating you. What? By the 50s, it was commonplace to have a bag of spuds in your ice chest. Cooking is the hard part. Yeah, Simplot, this guy hired a chemist to find out what fries will float in canola oil. They genetically engineered potatoes to make it easier to skim out of the fryer. 
Oh, no. When I worked at Chipotle, I had the worst acne of my life. That stuff is getting inside of you. The 50s, we knew canola oil, it's sludge for your gut. Any of these seed oils, olive oil is the only one you could trust. But you go to a motherfucking Italian restaurant, and it'll be 51% olive oil, 49% canola. <laughs> the definitions are flexible. Seed oil, it makes you inflamed. It strips out your probiotics. I'm going to fucking bore you, but your lipid peroxides need to hear this. <laughs> It's what they add to the thing. It's like a nicotine is the oldest drug. You see motherfuckers who are 90 who smoke out of a pipe. It's these people who are chief in Marlboros that are getting hit with the carcinogens. What are you putting in my food, you fuck? <laughs> Wendy's? Wendy's nuts hit your face? <laughs> Wendy's uses corn oil. So that's a little better than McDonald's canola oil. It's still shit. It should be tallow. Fat is good for you. I sound crazy when I, I don't give a fuck. Fat. Go back to fat. I use butter all the time. I have perfect skin now. In 1960, the typical American ate 81 pounds of potatoes. <laughs> Today, the typical American eats about 49 pounds and 30 pounds of frozen. We eat the same amount. More of it is crap. Yeah, I think I eat like a hundred pounds of red potatoes a year. <laughs> Seriously, you got to make these stews. Carrots, celery, peppers, yams, meat. Whatever you could afford, it all cooks the same in a stew. J.D. Simplot, he was a high school dropout. He's telling the Steve Jobs story. He just learned how to exploit people. Quote, the fast food chains sell French fries for the prices of about 20 times higher than what they paid for them. Freedom fries. <laughs> More like prison fries. They're marking it up 20,000%. Frozen taters. It tastes better when you make it yourself. Even if you drip that canola oil. Long cut fries, baby. Do yourself a favor. Jesus. I looked into it. The third biggest potato plant processes 4 million pounds a day. And that's what like the... 10th biggest Russian beet plantation does. I'm setting something up here, people. This is beets versus potatoes. And I've put beets inside of my stew before. It turns your piss red. These Russians are just over there in Siberia pissing red all day. <laughs> We're gonna lose. Those people are hard. Potatoes. Potato-fed motherfuckers over here. Corn oil slurping fatties. <laughs> Yeah, I'm being mean. Quote, for decades, McDonald's cooks its french fries in about 7% soybean oil and 93% beef fat. Yeah, I'm saying we got to go back to fat. And I think my favorite fry, it's got to be the Fuddrucker french fry. <laughs> Elongated shape. You got more surface area for pepper and salt. It's like a pillow filled with mashed potatoes. All you can eat. Fuddruckers rules. <laughs> Me and my boys used to do the pounder challenge. That's what it is. I'm a fucking spud-brained idiot out here. I'd be crushing all those criss-cut fries, my waffle fries, flamethrower fries, tater babies, tater tots, waffle fries. 
motherfuckers, when my computer overheats, we're on 40% battery. Fuck. When my computer overheats, I put a smiley face frozen french fries on it to cool it down. I love potatoes. I'm not making fun of you, but Americans are fat. Quote, the flavor industry is highly secretive. Secretive? Its leading companies will not disclose the formulas of their flavors. The fast food chains would like people to think that the taste of their food comes from the cooking. It comes from flavor factories. Talked about this in Fast Food Nation. Like off of the Jersey Turnpike is the biggest flavor factory. I lived off of 287 and 80. And there was a, like I would wake up to the smell of vanilla. And you know it was a bad day when it smelled like licorice. Yeah, man. It's chemically addictive. I'm, I like french fries, dog. Five Guys, the Bukaki restaurant. Those motherfuckers use uh, peanut oil. Pretty healthy. Way overpriced. What do we got here? Tastes come from smell. Your olfactory. Yeah, you break down the food, it releases gas, and you smell it. That's where taste comes from. So these nerds in lab coats are just going to make your... <laughs> cuck out your tongue to whatever flavors they feel like it. Seriously, Ben and Jerry's is crack. You, the longer you go without it, you're like, it's out of my life. But once B&J is two for five dollars, you're hooked again. Quote, today's highly processed foods are like a blank white canvas before you start painting it. Whatever chemicals you add will give them specific taste. Adding methyl to something, for example, makes something taste like popcorn. Ethyl 3 hydroxybutonitate makes it taste like marshmallow. The possibilities are almost endless. In this world of pure addiction. <laughs> Why do the French like escargot? They hate fast food. <laughs> Chapter 4, Meet Your Meat. See, also another reason the shows are shorter. Because my equipment is dying. <laughs> I feel like I have more energy than ever. I don't have enough money to replace my equipment. Who cares? Chapter 4, Meet Your Meat. The Hanna family lived on a farm 20 miles out of Colorado Springs. Thousands of acres with mountains to the west and prairies to the east. In 1998, Patricia Kirk Hanna died unexpectedly, followed by her husband. So the daughter, Anna Kirk in Colorado Springs... She's got to decide, am I going to stay or am I going to go now? Her mom and dad died. Am I going to sell the farm? It soon became clear that the girl's love of the ranch didn't want to sell it, and neither did Anna. So the three of them took over the Hannah Ranch with the help of a new foreman named Jim and Uncle Jay. Okay, not as much people are lucky to have an Uncle Jay in the family. You're probably going to sell your farmland to Bill and Melinda Gates. That's what's happening. Quote, ranchers now face a long list of economic problems, rising land price, pressure from real estate developers, competitors from overseas, health scares about beef. This is probably the most relevant chapter, and we're on 39% battery. <laughs> I'm just adding anxiety to the show. Like World of War Three, I think it's a straw man for this war on food. There's seriously a war on farmers going down. Hey, Bill, I'm not going to drink the cockroach milk. This is what the whole bird flu thing. They got that lined up after monkeypox. The CDC is like Marvel Comics, bro. If you pay attention, they put their timeline out. Bird flu, they're giving an excuse to give... They're killing flocks of fowl. I read this story in Missouri. 
there were 10,000 heads of cattle that they just killed. They go, you guys might have bird flu. So we're <laughs> 10,000 heads. This was the most apocalyptic picture I think I've seen yet. Everything's so much more expensive now. You only feel it at the grocery store. But if you seek out these pictures and these just garbage trucks worth of uh, birds that they were driving, some of the most disturbing things you'll ever see. Get connected to your food. It will be so easy for there to be some sort of a big old famine. Potato bread motherfuckers. It's going to famine out. Quote, today's McDonald's is America's largest purchaser of beef. In 1968, McDonald's bought fresh ground beef from 175 local companies. A few years later, McDonald's reduced the number of beef suppliers to five. It started to buy frozen ground beef that could be manufactured on a large scale with a uniform taste. They're condensing. Monopolizing. This is why YouTube probably won't show my videos to people. I say shit like decentralized, holistic health. YouTube wants to centralize creators. Whatever. All these systems are corrupt, beyond corrupt at this point. What, because the boomers needed to play canasta? Nobody's paying attention anymore. That's the main point. We have the information. I can't eat a lean hamburger because an entire generation was bought off by a housing market. And you ready for this insightful gem? The Zoomers aren't any better. My generation, our kids are going to fucking hate us. They're going to have to eat crickets because we were on TikTok. All of the information's in our pocket. Maybe we got to make it more digestible. <laughs> Check out localharvest.org. Get connected to your food. That's my takeaway today. Literally, every other fucking Saturday, I buy a pound of bison at the farmer's market. I can't afford it. <laughs> you ever fucking go to the bank and they're closed at 3 p.m. now? So now you just can't eat for the weekend? <laughs> and I can't even go kill a turkey unless it's November 10th through 20th. <laughs> this shit is a prism. He ended this chapter on Greeley, Colorado. I can't skip over this. I conducted my own research in January. I was bored one winter day. I drove 30 miles northwest. Once you pass I-25, everything east of it for 15 miles smells like death. It smells like rotten eggs and burning poop. Poop. I need that word in my vocab. Poop. <laughs> I used to live in Delaware, bro. Every uh, Monday morning, it smelled like a mushroom harvest. Manure. That was a little bit more palatable. This is death. Rotten eggs and formaldehyde. <laughs> Greeley, Colorado. That's what them chicks pussy smell like. <laughs> bro. <laughs> you drive up 8th Avenue, and you start to see the smoke billowing into the sky. I thought it was going to be Willy Wonka's factory. I was Charlie Buckets. That reference went nowhere. It's the biggest factory I might have ever seen, and there are barely any windows. <laughs> there were Oompa Loompas in there for sure. Bro, it smelled so bad. The people looked so sad, and you just see trucks of cattle pulling up. It's the biggest one in North America, so maybe the world. I needed to go see this thing. It's the house of death, bro. This is Auschwitz for cows. I was there, bro. 
quote, other people who live in Greeley can't stop thinking about the smell. <laughs> Even after years, he says it seeps into everything, gives them headaches, makes them nauseous, interferes with their sleep. I've had this theory before. I think they're putting formaldehyde in the meat. How the fuck are you shipping it across the country? We never frozen. <laughs> meat does not last that long. Yeah, man, the factory, they said they do 6,000 cattle a day. <laughs> I pulled up in the lot. There's like 2,000 workers a day also. People getting drunk out there. They were tailgating the slaughterhouse. <laughs> Should have bought a camera. Quote, the smell from the slaughterhouse lagoons isn't just unpleasant. It can also be harmful. The pools of waste emit various dangerous gases, including hydrogen sulfide and ammonia. It's a stinky swamp. <laughs> like... You feel the death, too. I don't think it's just the chemicals, bro. It's unnatural. As gay as it sounds, we can't be doing all of that in one place. That's the entire country's beef, I saw. And what happens when I-25 backs up for half a day? <laughs> East Coast? Aren't you going to eat each other? And, bro, I just said that offhand. I saw a New York Times article... It might not be that hard to start palating human meat. <laughs> See, that might be the big ask. That's what you do as a salesman. They're going, you guys should eat each other. Oh, you're not going to eat each other? All right, here's crickets. <laughs> These fucks want us to cannibalize. Quote, 30,000 chickens are packed so closely t together they will die and eat each other. Yeah, bro, Mick cannibals. The chicken nuggets eat other chickens. I'm not trying to gross you out here. That New York Times article, bro. Cannibalism has a time and place. Do you have a stomach for it? I will not eat the bugs. I will not be a cannibal. I will not be led to slaughter. Chapter 5, the final one. Have it your way. Late episode listeners, I got a treat for you. You know I make my uh, parody songs when I'm bored as fuck? This is just a free one. In excess... Everybody's pissing and coming. Another girl touched my nuts. This one was about the news. Can't trust it. This is my most recent song. This is a certified hood classic. I whip my slaves back and forth. I whip my slaves back and forth. I whip my slaves back and forth. I whip my slaves. Whip them real good. Will Smith would like that one. <laughs> Which fast food chain do you think has the best basketball players? I would say Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> this chapter, Have It Your Way, he's talking about Burger King. Their most remote location? Baghdad, Iraq. On April 9, 2003, a U.S. Marine armored vehicle pulled down the gigantic statue of Saddam Hussein in central Baghdad, showing the world that the United States had finally driven him out of power. Nine weeks later, the first Burger King opened in Iraq. American soldiers waited as long as two hours to buy Whoppers and Chicken Royales. Located in Baghdad International Airport, Pizza Hut's Burger King Subways soon opened. I think it'd be a little bit too obvious if we went to Iraq, tore down Saddam, and then started waving around the stars and stripes. <laughs> we start with a Burger King here, a McDonald's in Baghdad, a Starbucks next to Pembroke Castle. 
It's new colonization. This is economic warfare, baby. Oi, I like to eat at Mickey D's. Like, what if there was a British version of this? China might be the goat. They rip off American stuff their own way. That's probably how the world should be. You go to a different country and it's slightly like a different universe. I don't want to go to Baghdad and eat a fucking McDouble. Quote, McDonald's restaurants were destroyed in Russia, Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon. It's a symbol of the West McDonald's, Egypt, Qatar, Lebanon. They all bought down their Mickey D's. In Turkey, a McDonald's was bombed. Quote, a protester blew himself up outside a McDonald's in northern Italy, and two fire bombers were discovered outside a McDonald's in Rome. KFC restaurants in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain were attacked, and one KFC restaurant in Karish, Pakistan was destroyed twice. Yo, it's not the American embassy. McDonald's is the American's. If I ever get lost in Russia, I'm headed to Burger King to get a new passport. Yo, some chicken fries and a new fucking world stamp. We, literally, we're not planting flags. We're planting new restaurants places. And these people are smarter than Americans. They're like, take that down. That's another business we could have had. It's the end of the book here. Slosher's starting to preach. How fucking cool is that? You're not going to hear that anywhere else. It's fast food wars. <laughs> Italy, they're burning it. British scientists linked mad cow disease to an unlikely ingredient that some companies were quite puttingly into feed dead cows. The leftover meat and blood were being used to feed cattle. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Slosher's just grossing this out. Like, we're feeding cows dead cows. I read about once in the 1930s, Nestle would throw dead horses into the reservoir <laughs> just so people would buy bottled water. Like, as the CIA calls it, problem, reaction, solution. I'm a cowboy out here, son. Someone poison the water hole! <laughs> These fucks, they know it. They poison us and then sell us medicine. <laughs> It's to make you sick so that they could sell you the cure. Quote, nobody is forced to buy fast food. You're giving them your consent. The first step towards real change is by far the easiest. Stop buying it. He's still talking. If you don't like the way fast food companies behave, don't give them any of your money. Every dollar that you spend on food is like a vote. Yeah. When you buy something from a company, you are in effect voting for its policies and behavior. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's another word that's probably going to get me boised from the YouTube algorithm. Boycott. We need to fuck over these conglomerates. Take your money out. That is your vote. Votes don't matter anymore. Trying to get a hunger strike started in America, bro. <laughs> that would be like uh, getting a group of K-pop fans to act straight for a day. That might be my best setup ever. <laughs> Trying to get Americans to go on a hunger strike. Bro, I try every week to get this information out there. Whoever can make farming funny, make us realize that our vote is our dollar, that motherfucker is going to be killed like JFK. Now, if you could really do that stuff, you could be president. Make farming funny. Make people care about their food. Quote, the executives who run the giant fast food chains aren't bad people. Yes, they are. They are people who need to broaden their views and accept responsibility for their actions. 
They will pay higher wages if you demand it. They will treat workers and animals the land differently if you insist on it. They waste your money and your vote. A hundred books could be written about the problems of the fast food industry, but the solution starts with you. Why wouldn't the pimp eat at the fast food restaurant? He preferred his meals homemade. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was Fast Food Nation by Eric Slosher. Thank you guys for staying tuned. The battery bar is in the red. We're going to take that thing down to 1% every time now. Next week on the show, what do we got coming up? <laughs> We're getting out of reality this one. We got feeling is the secret. Just going straight hippy-dippy with this. It's basically that book, The Secret, and it's talking about attraction. So I just told you about that fucking way that you could attract the money to you. And then, you know, I thought I got to be in an environment where more money can flow to you. But everything has its price. Yeah, bro, this is going to be a sick edition. Feeling is the secret. Coming up, seven short days. The YouTubers. Seriously, thank you guys for sticking around for the journey. I know the reels can tell it's getting bigger. We're moving towards something. I don't know what it is, but I can feel it. <laughs> Feeling is the secret, baby. Nick's nonfiction. We'll be back. Patreon.com slash niche. Harry Schwant on Instagram. Get a random soundboard effect to take her home. Yo. <laughs> That's what happened to Fred Flintstone when he stopped eating dinosaur meat. Be back in seven short days with you all. Nick Muniz signing off. See you all real soon. Peace.